0: Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, 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 good morning. How are you? Praise the Lord. I don't know how you are, but I, I was so excited here last night just to be here and to think what God is doing uh, even in our midst, you know. Before I get carried away to the seventh heaven, i got to say hello and thank you to Greg and Becky and to Bertie and Alana, all the people who have actually brought this together. Uh, It is such a blessing and I was thinking last night, even if um, even if nobody says anything, preaches anything, if we just sat here for three days and talked to each other, the Holy Spirit is just rejoicing. You know, there's something supernatural about the the body coming together and I couldn't quite articulate last night how I felt and uh, that's the joy really of what we're all feeling. I know when people come to me and say, things like I was really blessed or whatever. I know that, that I don't have the words either to express what, how good he is. Uh, but it's good to practice speaking, isn't it? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And that's why we come together. And, and there's just something so powerful, so beautiful in that. So Greg was speaking last night about um, being in awe, uh, fear and trembling. And I love that explanation really about, to me, I could describe it as being astonished I don't want to stop being astonished. Have you seen something that has astonished you about God, about what he's done? You know, as he's opening our eyes, it's like uh, when people get up in the morning and they, they come into the bright light, sometimes you're squinting, you know? I feel sometimes the body of Christ right now is squinting, you know, at the, at the gospel of grace, you know? But as we keep shining, you know, the eyes open wider and wider and, and people get adjusted to the light. and and the light is so bright so the idea of being astonished is something very precious to me and um, I think that I never want to get to to be cynical is death you know it's a sad thing but the longer you're around sometimes religion you can get cynical and it can shut down your childlikeness. It shut down your expectation your joy and I just want to see and I know what God is restoring the joy of the lord to his body you know that once again we will be the people he came out of that room drunk in the spirit of god now once again the first message preached in the church will be it's only nine o'clock in the morning we can't be drunk this is just (laughs) this is just what the holy spirit does praise god it's so beautiful you know um six months ago uh, we became grandparents for the first time and and i love what i see happening in my son as he discovers in himself the heart of the father, not a father, but the father, you know, and one of the things that they're doing right now is what I remember us doing and what every parent here remembers doing is when you, you went to your child and you wanted your child to speak, to say something, you know, so our granddaughter, she's called Eva. it's the Irish for Eve, it literally means life, and so, you know, when we go to her, we can't help it, we just say, Eva. Eva, and every fiber of your being wants to hear her say her name back, and that's how the Holy Spirit feels about the body of Christ, you know. All of heaven is waiting for the body of Christ to respond and to begin to speak in the heavenly language of the Father, to begin to speak the very words of the Father. The whole of creation is groaning for us to speak, and you know how that voice is coming forth as we speak to each other? Even as we're gathered together, the things that we say to each other, you know, uh, there is no secular, uh, holy divide. When you go into that foyer of that hotel and you speak to the receptionist, you're prophesying. You've got the Spirit of God in you, you know? It's like having our eyes open to see, in fact, that, that we are His temple and that the words we speak are life-giving. They raise the dead. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, in the first creation, God had Adam stand before him and said, what do you see this, Adam? Name the animals. And Adam looked and What he saw, he recognized them and he called them upwards. And they were what he said they were. And the father must have thought, see my son, my kind. Praise God. Now in the new creation, he asks his church to stand up and to prophesy. Call them out. Tell them their name. Preach the gospel. Let them rise from death to life. And that's the most amazing thing in the world is people hear their name. Praise God. And so that's what we have the privilege to do over the next few hours and days. We're going to speak to each other and call each other up. And uh, it's just a supernatural privilege. It's so wonderful. Praise God. So we, we grow in this ability uh, to speak. We grow in each other's presence. That's the most powerful thing about being in the body and being with the body. You know, when, when uh, Shade was... Uh, ministering that last chorus, I was beginning to get homesick, but then I remembered, I am home. (laughs) Hey, when you're with your brothers and sisters, this is home. Is home not the place where you can be yourself? Is home not the place where you kick your shoes off and you're not worried people are going to judge you? You can be totally free because you know you're accepted for who you are. Praise God, that's home. That's the body of Christ. That's what we're called to be. And so we, we learn this language of speaking to each other as, as we speak to each other, and uh, it, it's just so powerful, so beautiful. I remember very often I, I, I learn so much by trying to speak. That's why I'm so grateful for chances to preach, because I, I get to grow, because I, 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 I can't articulate. I need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says to you today, don't you worry about what you're going to say. You know, when we break up into these groups, have no fear. I will give you the words to say, you know. I, I, we can't receive without Him. We can't speak without Him. We can do nothing apart from Him, you know. So here's the good news you're not apart from Him. Yeah. So open your mouth. Open your mouth, you know. So I, I remember for me, I, I sometimes when people hear me preach, they say, gosh, that's very, uh, there's a lot in there. I can't take it all in. And that's because I'm a writer, you know. So I say one sentence to you, and it takes about two seconds. It took me 15 minutes to write that, you see. So it's just, it's like a rich fruitcake. It's just too much in there. So I know sometimes you can get a bit choked, really, by, by what I'm saying. But I, once I wrote this, I, I, I was writing, and I wrote these words. Um, Imagine God saying this to you. And as soon as I wrote that, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, no, mm, no, 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 no. Look at that again. I said, what's wrong with that? Imagine God saying this to you. And then I felt the Lord say this, I didn't give you my spirit so you could tell people to imagine me speaking to them. I give you my spirit so I could speak to them. And that's what, that's what we have his Holy Spirit for. It's just so beautiful. So our testimony is such a wonderful testimony. And uh, so I want to begin with the words of a good Irishman, okay? Uh, St. Patrick. St. Patrick said this. And I think it's beautiful, as part of his testimony, he said this, I was like a stone stuck in the deep mud. And God in his great compassion came and he lifted me up and he exalted me to the highest place. And he sat me on top, the very top of the wall. And from there I speak. And I think that is so powerful because I really feel that the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, speak from the top of the wall speak from the top of the wall. It's just so beautiful. And that's where he calls us to speak from. And he lifts us to speak from that place. So our testimony really is that he lifted us. Amen. Our testimony is the resurrection. He lifted us. Our our message to people isn't pick yourself up, clean yourself up and try and lift yourself up. Our message is behold the one who went into the mud and came and lifted himself up to the highest place by the father and took us with him. Praise God. That's our message then we speak from there, speak from the top of the wall, speak from the resurrection, start from the resurrection, speak from your resurrected life, praise God. Now, teach me to speak that way by speaking to me after the Spirit. Don't speak to me according to my earthly record. See me in the Spirit, speak to me that way, teach me to speak that way. So that's why God is speaking speaking to us this way and teaching us as the body of Christ to speak from the heavenly realm. Because when people speak from the heavenly realm, things like scales fall from people's eyes it's just so beautiful god's voice has the power to call a life up into a new being being with him you know and the voice of the spirit does that it lifts us from becoming to being i spent years trying to become someone in church i am not going to live as a human becoming anymore i want to live as a human being being with god that's what we're called to be a human i think it was cs lewis who once said something And I was shocked by this quote. He said, Jesus Christ was the most authentic human being who ever lived. And I thought, how could that be? Thanks, Greg. How can that be? I mean, don't they say to err is human? But then I thought, of course, he was the most authentic human being because God never meant or made humans to be alone. He showed us what it was to be human. It's to be with him. It's being with. It's just so beautiful. And what has raised me from becoming to being is hearing the gospel as the message of what is because he lives, not what might be if I live long enough and holy enough. I'll say that again. Gospel is the proclamation of what is because of the resurrection, not what might be if I try and raise myself a little bit higher in my own strength. So I've prepared some things to share with you, but I'm not quite sure what will come out because what comes out depends very much on who's in the room, doesn't it? Yeah. See, we draw things out of each other. That's why you should never discount yourself. I hope there's nobody sitting here thinking, well, if I came here or didn't come here, it wouldn't make much difference. Yes, it would. Yeah. And that's why we should not give up getting together. Don't stop being together because when you turn up, you know, it changes the message because we call each other up because God knows the questions in the room, He knows the snakes in the room. Praise the Lord. So He changes the song. <laughs> Isn't there something in America called the snake line? Uh, I heard that, you know, it's an altitude in a mountain above which snakes can't live. Is that true? Well, we live above the snake line, don't we? Since then you were resurrected. Colossians 3 verse 1. Am I speaking to the people who are resurrected? (laughs) Since then you were resurrected. Don't you live higher than the snake line? Praise God. So let's call each other up to that level. Praise God. That's that's just so beautiful. You know, so here's, in, in thinking about where to start, I often think about the story of the American tourist who was traveling around Ireland and he stopped his car to ask an old Irish farmer the way to Dublin. And the farmer's famous reply was, Well, if I was going to Dublin, I wouldn't start from here. I think that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Because the whole teaching of the church points you to you. And the Holy Spirit says, well, I wouldn't start from here. (laughs) I would start from the resurrected you, praise God. I would start from there. That's so beautiful. So I'm going to talk about union today. But every time I go to speak about the gospel, I find it's the only place the Holy Spirit will let me begin from, to begin from our union with Christ. Notice I didn't say my union with Christ. That would be a bit like me speaking to Nicola about my children. Ah, language of heaven is us, it's not I. Have you noticed the language of the world is I? Here's what you should do, you should do this better. Oh no, 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 you died. <laughs> you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. You are no longer a you. Have you noticed how we're told that when we approach the communion table, discern the body. Don't approach as an individual. That individual died. We come to eat at the Father's table as a body. Praise God, it's so beautiful. So it's significant, I think, that the Holy Spirit inspired half of the New Testament to be written by a man whose revelation began at union with Christ. Paul on the road to Damascus. He didn't work his way towards that. He began there. That's where he began when that voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am him who you are persecuting. He began there, you know, and that was such a revelation. It was such a bright future that he could no longer see the earthly realm at all. He went totally blind. Praise God! It's so beautiful. He didn't preach the gospel from an earthly foundation. He preached it from a heavenly one. He didn't preach from separation. He spoke from union, and he preached the gospel in the power of the Spirit, and he preached from that beautiful revelation that he got on the road to Damascus, you know, and. Uh, so he got that revelation, the first voice he heard gave him that revelation of Christ's union with his church. But the second voice he heard, give him a revelation of his union with the body. Because if you remember that disciple Ananias came to him and the first words out of his mouth to the Christian killer, to the murderer of Stephen, the first words out of Ananias' mouth was brother. And at that word, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. Only words spoken from the heavenly realm can cause scales to fall from eyes, can cause snakes to disappear. So we have that gifting. We can speak from that realm. We can speak from the realm it's all over. (laughs) We can speak from the realm of pure joy, you know. And because that, that disarms the snake, that takes away the ground from underneath the lie of the enemy. For what can he do to you if God is for you? If you have been raised with Christ, what can he do to you? There is no more fear of death. There is no more bondage, praise God. But I'm growing in that. Give me grace. Help me to grow. Speak to me after the Spirit. Don't speak to me according to my record. Praise the Lord. Let's read this together. This is Acts 9. I'm going to read and talk a little bit about this man, Ananias, for a few moments because I I think that's us. I think the Holy Spirit would fill us to the point where we walk out the door into this world and we speak to the souls of Tarsus, not according to their earthly records. And there are many great apostles walking the streets today, maybe in Branson, waiting for Ananias' to speak to them. Ananias, look at this, Acts 9 from verse 10 to 18. It says, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, isn't it great that God knows your name? Isn't it great that God doesn't say, hey you, in, hey you in the pink jumper over there. Hey, you? <laughs> he doesn't say, he knows your name. Isn't that beautiful? He knows your name, he knows everything about you. And even now as you're sitting there discounting yourself from doing some great thing from the Lord, the Lord does not see you according to what you did or didn't do, he sees you according to his great plan and purpose for your life given in Christ before the foundation of the world. So be filled with the spirit and let's speak to each other according to that name, you know. Here I am, Lord, said Ananias. He's a disciple, all right, isn't he? He knows the voice of his father. End of story, period. Do you know the voice of your father? Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Do you know that street's still in Damascus, apparently? Straight Street. It's, uh, it's the headquarters of the Antiochian Orthodox Churches there. Quite incredible, isn't it? He's praying, and in a vision, He's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias res- replied and said, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I've been watching Sky News and CNN, I know all about this guy. Let me tell you about him. <laughs> I've heard many things. I've heard about all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call in your name. But the Lord said to him, go For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the gentiles kings and the children of israel for i will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake and ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him he said brother saul the lord jesus who appeared to you in the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the holy spirit and immediately somebody turn to your neighbor and say immediately You know, the word that brings the kingdom of heaven onto the earth is the word today. All my life I sat in church and heard about one day. Is anybody here still waiting for one day? Today. Today. That's so beautiful. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received the sight at once, and he arose and he was baptized. Don't you think it's strange that in the book of Acts people were baptized immediately? Isn't that Wonderful. They didn't have to do a six-week course on whether they really were a Christian. Did they? That's incredible. So I love this passage because in Acts 9, the Spirit speaks to Ananias three things which will blow your mind when you think about it. The first one, I have a name, a calling for Saul of Tarsus that the world knows nothing about. And even he doesn't know this name yet. Oh, that's amazing. But here's the second thing. I have a name for you too Ananias that you yet don't know anything about you know who you are you're the guy who speaks to him but here's the third thing I'm so confident of who you are Ananias that I've already given him a dream showing you praying for him so you better go (laughs) do you see the intertwining of two lives in the spirit the braiding together it's not so beautiful Ananias gets a vision, really, of his eternal calling, which was always braided together with Saul of Tarsus and the Holy Spirit doing that braiding. And that's why we're here together, you know. He prepared this feast from all eternity. Isn't that so beautiful? So when we see each other for the first time, we're we're not really strangers, are we? Praise God. We're called to speak into each other's lives and to be together. I think it's a beautiful picture. And so we have a great responsibility and a great privilege of seeing each other not according to our works, but to see each other by the Spirit, that we would speak that language, that you would rise and I would rise up together into the head, into the mind of Christ on us. For how are we to speak to this world of the resurrection if we have not seen it ourselves, if we have not experienced it ourselves? And so we build each other up as each part does its work. We build up the body into the head. And that's why we're here today. I think the most beautiful part of that account are those two words, the two words that caused the scales to fall from his eyes. To the Christian killer, he says, brother, you see, that's why we need the Holy Spirit only when we're filled with the Spirit, to be the being filled, and you know you are filled, you know. But I find that when Greg preaches, something like a river starts to come up in me. And when Bertie speaks, and when you speak to me, something like a river comes. And when that river comes, it gets so deep, I'm carried along by it. And my words now are such that they release people, and they call other people up, you know. So let the river flow. Let the river flow. Preach the gospel. Don't preach instruction. We have 10,000 instructors. Preach the gospel. Be a father call people upwards, let that river flow, be carried away to say extravagant, scandalous, amazing things over people, that their eyes would grow wide like saucers, (laughs) that religious people would say, you you can't say things like that to people like that. (laughs) But that scales would fall from their eyes when they hear these beautiful words. The power to rise from an earthly life into a heavenly one is found in the good news. What we could not do in our own strength participate in the life of God. He has done by participating in our life. Praise God. He knew we could not reach him, so he reached down to us. He opened a way that anyone, anyone who would believe in how generous he is could grow and grow and grow from all eternity to take in how good he is, how much he has given. Because to see him is to know him, is to see that he has given. He has given. It's just a totally different way of seeing. And my message to you this morning is very simple. I believe the Spirit of God is still saying to the church what he said to Joshua outside the walls of that city all those years ago. See, I have given. See, I have given. It's the gospel. Behold, everything. He's given us everything, even his own life, even his own immortality has been given in Christ. See, now don't move from that spot until you see, because if you start doing instructions without seeing, you're going to make a bit of a mess. <laughs> Praise God. So he doesn't mind us sitting a long time to see. Many of us, we think we've been in the desert or wandering for 20, 30, 40 years. Take your time. <laughs> because when you finally see, all those years will be restored, <laughs> all the years of locusts of eaten. Come on. So the power to receive comes through the Galleon the gospel of how generous he is. So if that's true, that power comes through this proclamation of his generosity. Can you see the danger in watering down the generosity of God? I want a God who never left me to save myself because he never believed I could. I want a God who looks at me in the moment I have betrayed him with absolute confidence because he never believed I could have saved myself, even as Jesus looked at Peter in that moment. Pure compassion. That's why Peter burst into tears. (laughs) Jesus, I told you, Peter. (laughs) I told you. I never expected you to save yourselves. That's the original lie, you know. That's the original bite. Right there. God has left you to save yourself. Jesus heard that everywhere he went, didn't he? In the desert to the cross. Well, if you really are the Son of God, why don't you save yourself? We have been delivered from that lie. To see yourself the way the Father sees you is to be filled with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And any believer full of such thanksgiving is holier by accident than the most sin-conscious, self-absorbed zealot. You're holiest when you're laughing. The Father laughs at his enemies, praise God. See, irrespective irrespective of whether he finds us walking away from him in the world stinking of drink or working away for him in the church stinking of self-righteousness, the father always greets his children in the same way as the apple of his eye, a cause for rejoicing. So irrespective of whether you're Gideon hiding in the winepress or Joshua standing outside those walls, he speaks to you as if the victory's already been won. And to all your complaints, he so totally ignores it. He just says the same thing over and over again. See, <laughs> see, I have given. So beautiful. The father greets his children in the same way. And that's why Paul, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit, when he spoke to his churches, even when they were full of heresy or sin, he didn't write his letter to the sinners in Corinth, did he? To the saints, to the saints. But he understood that their need really was not a lack of willpower. It was a lack of vision. His message to them is not try harder. It was see further. Can't you see you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Can't you see that all things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God? Can't you see that you're not mere men? You were raised with Christ. Can't you see the resurrection? See, I have given immortality. Since then, you were raised with Christ and that's where he begins. And that's where the Holy Spirit begins with us. Which is why that voice in your head that keeps telling you all of your issues is not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. For he doesn't see that man. How could he? For he, was, he died, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Since then, you were resurrected with Christ. Set your eyes on things above where Christ is sitting down because he's not anxiously pacing up and down to see if Phelan preaches well enough. <laughs> he's at total peace. Enter your rest as he has entered his. Since then you have been resurrected. Speak from there. Live from there. Minister from there. It's so beautiful. His message message was not try harder. It was see further. I'm going to read those verses. I love them. Since you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Not on earthly things. Why not? For you died. And your life is, not will be. You don't have a will be life. You have an is life. Your (laughs) life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him in glory. (laughs) See, in the heavenly realm, everything is today. In the earthly realm, we're waiting for a better day. (laughs) Are you tired waiting? Do you know why your heart's sick? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's only a dream fulfilled as a tree of life. We have come to the tree of life because he has fulfilled all our dreams because see, I have given. So beautiful. Now, Paul did have some instructions for the churches on their lives, but he knew that unless their eyes were open first to who they already were and what they already had, they would make a mess of the instructions. Instructions is no good. As long as the resurrection then is not our starting place, we will attempt to raise ourselves. We will search the scriptures for instructions on how we can raise ourselves. And that's some, for many years, I went to the Bible, like an instruction manual. What's the key here, you know? Maybe you've come to this conference thinking, I better take some notes here. I'll get some instructions on how I can raise myself. Or oh, you're gonna be very disappointed. There's nobody here who preaches you, we preach Christ. Praise God. So the Lord did have some instructions for Gideon, But the first thing that had to happen was Gideon had to see who he was, mighty warrior, whom the Lord is with. So yeah, the Lord has some instructions for Joshua, but the first thing he had to see who he was, the man God was with, the man that God had given everything to. So God never leaves us by by ourselves even to believe. He doesn't leave us by ourselves to try and Produced love as if we could produce love by ourselves or belief by ourselves or repentance by ourselves or anything by ourselves. For did Jesus not say apart from me you can do? Nothing. The gospel does not ask men to produce a holy life. It just calls and empowers them to participate in the life already given, Christ. Resurrection. How did we take a message then that in the mouth of Jesus attracted the bar crowd? and repelled the religious. How did we manage to turn that 180 degrees in 2000 years? So that now if I put a sign outside that door and said gospel meeting in progress, all we get will be the religious people. How did that happen? It happened because we took a message about his love for us and we made it one about our love for him. That's how it happened. What such a message does is fill the church full of instructors rather than fathers and mothers. For we think that instruction comes first. No, revelation comes first. And without it, instructions only produce the works of the flesh. The reason the church is so divided is because she's so full of instructors begetting activity, but not fathers and mothers begetting the one life. One life, his life. So I want to give you an example of that this morning, okay? Turn to Joshua chapter 6. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read out some instructions for you. So if you're here for instructions, here, take these ones down, okay? This is Joshua 6 from verse 3. March around the city once with the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets or ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and you go straight in. Have you got that? You know, I don't know about you. I am terrible with instructions, you know. Have you ever stopped the car and asked somebody for the weight of something? And they say, Well, okay, you go down here, you take the second and you left, you go about a hundred yards past the shop, then you turn right, and it's just there. I lost them at the first line, you know. But I'm always too embarrassed to say that. So I just I just nod and go, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I drive the opposite way, and they're sort of sitting there going, Well, well is that guy just <laughs> stupid or what? You know? <laughs> So I would have been too embarrassed to interrupt the Lord when he gave me these instructions. You know, If I'd have been Joshua, I would have gone, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then I would have marched the wrong way at the wrong time. I would have thought, did he say six or seven, you know? Them walls would never have come down. I would have walked straight into those walls. <laughs> i got it. I'm oh, sorry, I forgot the instructions, you know. So if you're like me, you know, if you're just terrible with instructions, I have good news for you this morning. God give joshua that city not because of his obedience to those instructions Uh, and that just sounds totally countercultural. because in the church you know we were just absolutely focused on the fact that we need to be obedient to god's instructions if we're to get anywhere so i want to prove that to you this morning many of us have read the bible for years as an instruction manual we've thought that if i could just find the right instructions then my obedience To his instructions will change his mind about me and then he will give me what i need in other words my obedience to his instructions will give me my victory you know what that is that's the lie of the enemy you're your own savior you're right you need to save yourself you need to you need to do better with those instructions now it sounds right because it's the spirit of the world and the spirit of the world can only point you to yourself for the only thing a world can do that doesn't know a Savior is teach you to be your own Savior. And when that spirit of the world is into the church, then all the church can do too is teach you to be your own Savior. And that's why in every generation we need the gospel priest to, to, to divest the church, the body again, from the spirit of the world. There is no power in any message that points you to you. Forget everything else I say, you can write that down. (laughs) There is no power in any message that points you to you. So when you hear anybody preach what you think is the gospel, just ask yourself at the end of everything he or she says, did they leave my hope on me or on Christ? Now such a message can be dressed up in biblical language, but always underneath the message is the same. Your hope of victory is yourself. Everything depends on your obedience. Now, you might say, but, but Philemon, what we just read. Didn't we just read that God give him instructions that he had to be obedient to? Isn't that what we just read? Yes, it is what we just read, but that's not, that's not all of what God said to Joshua. In fact, that's not the beginning of what he said. I read you the end of what he said. What do you call the beginning of a house? The foundation. So let's have a look at the foundation. You see... Without a proper foundation, a building will always remain unstable because all its weight is on the wrong place. Without a proper foundation, a Christian will always remain unstable because all their weight is on the wrong place. If Christ and His resurrection is not the foundation of our new life, we will continue to put far too much weight on our own performance, our own obedience as the foundation of our lives. my obedience is important I thank God that Greg followed that prompting of the Holy Spirit to bring us all together aren't you blessed Aren't you blessed by the obedience to the voice of the spirits praise God but that's not the foundation of his life his obedience is not the foundation of his life or yours or mine Christ's obedience is him and his life don't let any preacher or teacher try and lay your obedience as a foundation for your new life in Christ don't let that happen you weren't made righteous by your obedience. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Here's the good news, of the gospel. That one's not you. <laughs> your obedience is not the foundation of your righteousness. Your life in god christ's obedience is and despite the fact that you may have heard a thousand messages in church emphasizing your obedience to god over and over again no preacher has the right to put you in the foundation of your life your obedience that's christ is your foundation no other foundation can be laid and you know who said those words by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the reason why so many of us approach the Bible like a self-help instruction manual is because too much of our weight is leaning on the wrong place, rather than the weight of our salvation resting entirely on on Christ and his life and his resurrection. Someone has mixed us and our obedience into the foundation. And that's a very dangerous thing to mix something else into the foundation. I'll give you an illustration. So back home where we come from uh, in Donegal, there is right now, it has been for a number of years, a tremendous scandal because they built houses which had mixed in with the cement an extraneous substance called mica, it was a mineral. And what this mineral does, it sucks in water into the foundation of the house. So nobody knew, but the foundation was not a pure foundation. Now, to begin with, nothing happened. Nothing happened for years, but eventually cracks started to appear in these houses. These houses right now are falling apart, and it's going to cost the government something like 8 billion pounds to actually restore people's houses. And that's what happens because that substance began to draw in from the world water into the, into the foundations that caused those cracks, everything else, you know. And, uh, and that's what happens in our life as well, in fact. Um, those, when somebody mixes you or I into the foundation, we'll either swell up with pride about our obedience, <laughs> or we'll slip into despair that our willpower is letting us down again and again and again. And what those both lead to is division in the body. Division, division, division all the time as we compare one with another, thinking that it's our willpower is the foundation of our lives rather than being transfixed by Christ and his resurrection and see, in fact, that he made us to be this one life. Praise God. That's what happens when someone keeps adding your performance as an individual into the finished work of Christ. So when a congregation knows that their life that their foundation is Christ, that they don't have to start judging each other or looking at each other, finding fault. There's a great unity, there's a braiding together, there is a cohesion, there is just one life because nobody here is sitting in judgment on anybody else. For what do you have that you did not receive? Wow. So we were resurrected as one man. Actually, the Lord said to Gideon, go as one man, <laughs> union. That's why I believe it's imperative to preach the gospel of Christ's finished work every week. Keep the mic yourself out of the foundation of people's lives. So they don't stop cracking up and dividing. You know, and looking to me to fix them. You know, I thank God, you know. I say to our folk, please don't look to me. Uh, look to Christ. You know, if I'm teaching you to look to me, I've laid the wrong foundation. Don't look to preachers. Praise God. Your life as a believer cannot rest alone in the strength of your willpower. In fact, your life as a believer cannot rest alone, full stop. You were never made to be alone. People keep pointing you to your obedience. The danger is that you'll start to think that your obedience is the foundation of your salvation. Whereas the truth is your obedience is born from. It's a fruit of the life that already is your foundation, the life of Christ. So what's all that to do with Joshua? I'm going to show you. (laughs) Joshua was obedient, but his obedience was not something he produced by himself it was born of the revelation that was imparted to him. So let's go back a few verses to see the foundation. Let's see what the Lord said to him. Look at Joshua five from verse 13. It says this, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or for our enemies? There's a lot of that going on in this country right now, isn't there? And in my country too. And in every country, But there's not a revelation of one life. Are you for us or against us? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, it's just striking me right now when I read these verses. You know the time in your life when you will hear the Spirit of God say to you, see, it will be the most inopportune time. It'll be at the worst moment in your life, when the gates never look more shut. (laughs) When you were never in a more hopeless place in all your life, then God will just saunter up to you and say, see yet? See, I have given. Is your hope all gone in yourself? Have you got to the end of yourself yet? Is there any petrol left in the tank? Have you got a plan B? Is it still in there? (laughs) I'll come back later then, you know. He comes at just the right time. You see, this is the right time when we were powerless. Christ died for us, to divest us of any notion that what he gives to us is in any way tied to our performance. You see, he wanted to love us unconditionally with everything he had. So he chose the best time to give everything to us when we could do nothing for ourselves. When we were dead in our sins, that's where we began. Out of the grave, praise God, he resurrected us. He says, now start from there. Start from everything. Start from everything that has been given to you. Then the Lord said to Joshua, verse 2, see, I have given Jericho and all his fighting men into your hands. Then, verse 3, march around the city. Then the instructions come. You see, the instructions are no good until you can first see that he's not asking you to do this by yourself. It's his life that's doing this. It's his life that's doing this. You know, we have been waiting for 20, 30, 40 years as a good Christian, trying to become, oh, that life's dead. You died. It's his life in you. That's a beautiful seed and what you're feeling right now is that seed jumping in you the life of god jumping in you i'm going to speak a little bit more about that tomorrow night that jump within us when somebody preaches the gospel when the life of god jumps in you the way john the baptist jumped in elizabeth's womb and said yeah imagine a fetus doing that (laughs) why because his eternal calling was to acknowledge the christ even from the womb the power of god caused them to jump and in the moment he I, i mustn't get ahead of myself okay Praise the Lord. So we need to do the same, you know. We need to hear this voice that's saying to us, my goodness, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. See, we underestimate the power of knowing his presence. Knowing his presence. You know, when you get up in the morning, probably the last thing you put on this morning was your shoes. Why do you put your shoes on? So you can get where you're going quicker. See, that's this world. I'll give you some instructions there, Brock. You can get where you're going quicker, you know. Lord says, get those shoes off. You're not going anywhere till you see I'm with you. (laughs) You're not going anywhere till it's my life. It's my life. It's not your life for me. It's your life in me and my life in you. They said to Jesus, How do you do uh, what you do? You know, let's have a look at your shoes. (laughs) How do do you get get so much done? He says, I, I do nothing. There is no I. There's only communion. There's only we. There's only us. You'll find nowhere in the New Testament. An apostle writing, it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to us. That's why we're excited about this gathering, aren't we? There are some things that I don't know yet that seem good to us, you know. uh, But as we talk together, it'll seem good to us and the Holy Spirit. Because God never left you with the idea that he was looking to you as an individual. The word will give you that idea. That's not from the gospel. You as an individual could do this or that. No, no, no. You're in a body. You're in a beautiful body. Have a look around you. This is a perfect body that he has made. So we underestimate the power of that. What do you see? The Lord said to Joshua. See, I have given. Turn to your neighbor and say, see, I have given. So God's promise to Joshua wasn't, I will give you if you're obedient to my instructions. No, he said, see. I'm not asking you to do one thing for me. I'm saying, let's do everything together. Isn't that beautiful? it was never his intention to leave you to save yourself he said see i have given god opened his eyes to the victory that it was already there he asked him to follow his instructions but only as one seeing god for who he is the one who freely gives himself that's what it is to worship him in spirit and the truth to see him as he is the one who gives himself the one who gives everything the one who has not withheld anything to obey God because you hope that your obedience will change God to be a better giver is to be blind to who he is. Here's the gospel, you can't make him a better giver. <laughs> you can throw all that in the trash can. <laughs> all those instructions, you're not gonna make him a better giver. The best can happen, your eyes will open and you'll just stand there like a child going, oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I think often about children. Every Christmas we put up these lights. You know why we put up these lights? Because we're nostalgic. Because we've lost our astonishment. There was a time when we were children that things astonished us. But when we grew up, we lost our astonishment. The purpose of the gospel? To make us children of God. That we would regain our astonishment at life. That we regain our astonishment. I want to be astonished that I'm here this morning. I want to be astonished at the grace of God. Of all the places you could be today, look where you are. Yeah. Be astonished. Take your shoes off. Stay there for a month. Just be astonished for a month. Then get up and preach the gospel. so amazing so that's my message they'll always start you in the wrong place if i was going to dublin i wouldn't start from here the holy spirit saying to the church well you know don't let them start you from you start from the resurrection amen praise god praise god We'll do something a little bit special. We're going to pray. And I was going to bow my head and pray, but I'd like to hear you pray, you know. So maybe two or three, as the Spirit leads you, stand up and give thanks for being here today. Just stand up. Let's glorify him. Praise God. You feel free. Feel free. Don't worry if two or three speak at once. He says, I hear the sound of many rivers. Go for it, my brother. Stand and speak. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. free. and Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful Lord. Beautiful Lord. Aye, there's so much more in this room, and that's why we want to spend some time talking together. There's rivers here to flow. and uh, you know, You may feel when you're sitting at your table that all these people can have much more to say than me. No, when you open your mouth, he'll give you the words to say. And as you hear yourself saying those words, you're growing. You're growing. I, I've grown by standing here for the last half an hour or whatever, you know. Isn't that beautiful? But you don't grow as an individual. We grow together. Praise God. God bless you. Greg, thank you.